You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I am Brandon Ware here with my lovely partner, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey, I'm in a very good mood today. Why is that? Well, I'm playing in an Ultimate Frisbee tournament this oh, weekend. Man. Here we go. Ultimate it, Frisbee. It's an all-women's team that I love, and we do a big cookout after. What are they called? We are the Joy Huck Club. <laughs> We're mostly Asian women, and uh, we did have one white girl on the team. She didn't get it. <laughs> you know the Joy Luck Club, right? I know it now because I had to ask about it. You did? Yeah, I did. I didn't oh. watch movies in the 80s. It was a book. There you, exactly. It was also a movie, but, and, uh, you know, so I'm in a good mood because of that. I'm also in a good mood because this week, all week long from late, late Sunday night when I came home to midday Saturday, Brandon and I have our house all to ourselves. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know why that's so exciting, Jess's father lives in our house. And has lived with us for about the last 10 years. But he is on a tour of the Holy Land this week. I hope he's having a good time. I, I do too, because I am having a good time having the house to myself. <laughs> Walk, walking around in the nude. I'm breaking all the rules that I set. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we have a ton of rules to begin with. I do have a lot of rules in the house. You know I do. <laughs> no computers at the table. No newspapers at the table. Yeah. I have a lot of rules. No Fox News on the main floor. No Fox News, period. Yeah. Well, that, that's on my dad's computer. So, yeah, we're enjoying the week alone. And I'm also in a really good mood because the Toronto Raptors are still in the playoffs. And I bring up the Raps not only because we're Toronto fans, so, you know, we the North and all that jazz, but also because today I want to talk about Aisha Curry. And Aisha is a cookbook author, she's a television host and personality, and she is also the wife of NBA star Steph Curry, who has a reputation for being just a super nice guy, and he specifically has a reputation for not cheating on his wife, which is somehow lauded. Do you get a biscuit for not cheating on your partner? Apparently. Yeah? If you're a superstar. And Aisha was on Red Table Talk recently, and she opened up about her insecurities. And this is what she said. She says, something that really bothers me and honestly has given me a sense of a little bit of insecurity is the fact that, yeah, there are all these women like throwing themselves at him. But me, for the last 10 years, I don't have any of that. I have zero, and this might sound weird, but I have, I don't have male attention. And so then I begin to internalize it and I'm like, is something wrong with me? I think there's a lot to unpackage there. I don't, um, I don't know much about the Curry family. I don't follow along, so I can't comment on Aisha Curry, but I'll be honest, I like getting attention and I hear where she's coming from. 
Yeah, well, viewers and tweeters and other armchair commentators, they clapped hard, clapped back hard, being highly critical of Aisha for saying that she wants attention. They are calling her some nasty names. They are, you know, accusing her of being an attention whore. They are calling her ugly. They are going at her for everything to do with her body to her face, to her weight. They are accusing her specifically of being very unappreciative of the fact that her husband is a multi-million, multi-millionaire star. Now, she's also a multi-millionaire. That's the meaning of marriage. And she's had three kids. And, and I'm like you. I don't know much about this couple beyond what I've been reading today. But I'm with you, babe. It is normal to want attention. It is normal to enjoy it. It is especially normal to want attention when the people around you like your husband, are getting a ton of attention. And it's interesting because online you'll see people saying that, oh, if Steph or another guy said that he wanted attention from women, he'd be labeled a dog, that no woman would put up with that. And I'd like to say that not only would I put up with it, I'd welcome it. Now, Brandon isn't Steph Curry. (laughs) I got no game. He's not as famous. He's not as rich. You don't get nearly as much attention, but you you do get some attention. I like where this is going. (laughs) So you're not good at basketball. You don't have tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars. You don't have people throwing themselves at you. All are very true. (laughs) But, But you do get some attention because you are ridiculously good looking and charming and successful. I'm really, really, really ridiculously good look. That was a Zoolander thing for those of you who don't know me and don't think I'm a totally vain here. <laughs> but you get attention and I love it. I actually love that you get attention. I love that other people, men and women, want you. And for most heterosexual guys, you never get the experience of being wanted and admired and desired beyond what you get from your intimate partner. And that's not the experience for most women. Many women get attention from their friends, from strangers, from their partners, from other suitors. We tell each other when we think another person looks good. We, we lay on the compliments. You know, if, if my friend walks in and I, I love the way she looks... I'll probably say something, but your friend won't do the same. No, my buds don't kind of holler comments at me and tell me how good I'm looking. But I did start to experience it when I was a bar back working in the nightclubs. I remember specifically um, somebody, the, the first set of compliments that I received about my physical appearance when I was bussing tables in a nightclub and that it felt good. It did. And then... It actually, uh, for, from there, I ended up becoming a bartender and I bartended in Toronto at some of the gay clubs and I received some compliments there too. And over the last 10 or 15 years, I don't know why I, I mean, I get it. People are more vocal about how you look. Maybe there's more of an emphasis on physical appearance these days. Maybe I'm paying more attention to it. But I have had some compliments about the way I look. And, and it feels good. It does. When somebody validates you in that way, it, it does feel nice. 
Yeah, the feeling of of being admired and desired can be exciting. It can be affirming. It can even be arousing. I also feel silly for, maybe this is my own upbringing. I feel silly for feeling good when somebody does compliment me. Like I have a hard time. I always want to downplay it. I never want to relish in the feeling. And I'm sure that's a whole other podcast, uh, you know, a topic that we could dive into. But I've been taught to not accept those compliments, to not um, really enjoy somebody complimenting the way you look physically, which is kind of weird too. Learning to accept a compliment with grace is, I think it's a challenge for all of us because we want to feel good about ourselves, but we also don't want to come across as cocky. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why I feel that way, but it is. I also grew up you know, going to the nightclubs, women didn't often approach me, or maybe again, I didn't pay attention to it. This woman did. Yeah, you did, which was awesome. But I didn't get that those compliments growing up. It's a little more than compliments, right? Attention is a little different than compliments. I, I, I think, okay, yes, you first had that experience when we were working in the nightclub and the barback job he's talking about or the busboy job he's talking about is exactly where I met him and picked him up. And then you moved on to work in the gay clubs and that was a whole other experience because you were dealing with men and men tend to be more forward than women with their sexual desires and intent. They were very complimentary. Right. But I mean, regardless of sexual orientation, Mm -hmm. men are socialized that they have to go out there and get what they want. And women are socialized to sit here and use our beautiful feathers to attract. And I think there's actually something in that with regard to the Aisha Curry story, because I don't think that women need to derive our sense of self-confidence from male attention. Of course not. But I want to be fair to Aisha because she didn't create this world. She's living in it. And I think about her at 30 years old with three kids, having been with her husband since she was a teenager. They were high school sweethearts. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just Googled that. Uh, It can be hard to only be known as someone's wife, as someone's mother. And she's 30, three kids. She's been with this super famous husband since high school, of course, she's built a brand on her own as well, or aside, you know, as part of this. But I've heard this from mothers before, that the moment they knew they needed to step back from motherhood and take back their own life was when people started saying, oh, that's Sarah's mother, that's Shan's mother, that's so-and-so's mother, and they didn't even know their name. And they said, you know what, I had a life before this, I was a person before this, and I want to be that person again, and I can be a mother. And so I think she's in a very more unique situation being the mother of three children, even though she she runs her brand as well. But I think the important message here is that not only is feeling desired and wanted and validated and, and, you know, getting attention part of an evolutionary holdover because we've needed it to survive as social beings, but it just feels good. And it's universal. And I think it's so ridiculous that everyone is piling onto this woman. I'm not saying that everyone wants attention from outside sources. But if you do, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. And I'm often asked about whether I think monogamy or consensual non-monogamy or open relationships. Which is better? And I always say that really it's a matter of personal preference. It's a matter of personality. 
monogamy works for some people and consensual non-monogamy works for others. There is no universal better. But when I see stuff like this, when I see people suggesting that if you're in a happy relationship, you appreciate your partner so much that you can't possibly enjoy or crave attention from other people... Oh, I start to think that monogamy sounds really unrealistic. I think the notion that one person can fulfill all of your needs is damaging to relationships. It puts too much pressure on you and it puts too much pressure on your partner. I think as soon as you say that though, people assume that you're implying that you open the door and it's no no holds barred. You can do whatever you want. But that's not what you're saying at all. You're just saying, if I understand correctly, that you can be you can you can enjoy that somebody else thinks that your partner is attractive you can enjoy the idea of even just fantasies it doesn't mean you have to do anything it's just being open to the idea of it and maybe you're not comfortable but maybe you're open to having that discussion well with you i mean how do you feel about men in particular hitting on me i feel threatened I feel insecure about it. Um, I know that it happens. I know that other people find you attractive. And I know that you are hit on. I also know that you travel the world speaking about a topic that is considered taboo. And I've had to, you know, I ha- first of all, I have to trust you. And I think that that is a huge uh, comfort and security for me. That no matter where you go, no matter what you do, I think that the way you speak and interact with others, you would do it with me in the room or with me not in the room. So I have that security. I make a lot of jokes about you behind your back. Yeah, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you know what? I would be in the room and probably not laughing at them because they're not funny. But I feel confident that wherever you are, you conduct yourself in a way that whether I was there or not, doesn't matter. So that probably makes me feel a bit better. It still doesn't mean that at times I don't feel uncomfortable And I think that I make an effort to try and have that discussion with you when I can. It's not not perfect at it. Sometimes it comes up at other times. And let's be clear, I ain't no Steph Curry either. But I see where (laughs) this woman, Aisha Curry, is coming from. I hear people talk in long-term relationships and, and sometimes more so with women that they feel invisible after a certain age, that they don't get the attention that they received when they were younger. And perhaps, perhaps before they had children or before they became somebody's wife or the mother of. And I can only imagine that getting that attention for 5, 10, 15, 20 years to then not receiving it would be very difficult. Compounded upon that is that your partner in this case is in the spotlight, super successful. He's, I mean, he's called GOAT. Yeah. And he is an incredible player. Incredibly wealthy. And probably has people throwing themselves at him a lot. And it would be difficult to be in that situation. So all those haters that are out there throwing, slinging mud at her maybe should take a step back and think about what she's saying. She's not saying, I want to go out and be with 15 other people at once or anything like that. She's just saying, I got a lot of attention. I'm insecure and I'm owning this feeling. Well, let's talk about that because it is also normal to feel insecure. This notion that the world is divided into secure folks and insecure folks is entirely erroneous. Human emotions are universal. Aisha gets insecure, I get insecure. Brandon, you get insecure, you get insecure. 
And opening up about it like this woman has done, to me, says that she is probably better equipped to manage this insecurity than those who feign unwavering confidence. I would imagine that their relationship is stronger. If she's able to have that kind of a conversation in public, I hope and I would imagine that the conversations that she's having with her partner, with Steph Curry behind the scenes are even more uh, impactful and strengthen their relationship to a level that none of us or the average person probably can't compete with. Well, that's the other piece is that these two are living their lives in the public eye. And that is an entirely different experience than what we deal with, the rest of us. This is an added layer of pressure, criticism, and straight up haterade. Like this is just hate. And I'm sure, you know, if I had to deal with that extra layer of pressure, it would be really hard for me. I mean, I'm in the public eye to a tiny little degree. But, you know, Aisha and Steph can walk yeah. into any restaurant and get any table they want. We don't, we don't have that. I we, don't have that clout. No. We will walk in places where people might know us. I mean, especially in a city like Toronto where everybody knows everybody. Um, sometimes, you know, at the airport or something, somebody will know who I am. But it's this tiny little 0.00001% of what, what these two are dealing with. I think our dog got more notice. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think people recognized us because of our palm. But here's the other piece. Some people are being critical of, of Aisha Curry for being insecure because her husband is known for not cheating. He is known as not being a cheater. Uh-huh, okay. As though the fact that he's a star and he doesn't cheat is something she should appreciate as opposed to something she deserves. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. The idea that he should get, again, that biscuit for being the gold star for not doing what he agreed to. Right. If, if that is what they agreed to right. from the onset. Right. How is that an accomplishment in any way? And would it be regarded in the same way if the role reversal existed in that relationship? Right? So if wanting attention is normal and the desire to be desired is normal, and sometimes we we will enjoy it from outside sources, how do you navigate that in your relationship? So, for example, I can say I don't like attention because sometimes I find the attention bothersome but you're right that when that attention goes away as I get older it will probably you know I'll probably receive less of it uh, which is one of the challenges for women because for men sometimes as you get older you get even more attention like I think you just you keep getting more and more attractive <laughs> well I appreciate that and and you know what I th think that the the focus is on youth and in particular with women, you are seen, I would assume that you are seen as most attractive when you are, what, like 18 through mm -hmm. 25 or, or 28? And then... Well, I don't know. I think that you align with cultural beauty standards most between those ages. But I don't necessarily find 18 to 25-year-olds the most attractive for any gender. I think, you know, again, attractiveness also is with how you carry yourself. So with time, if you become more confident and more secure with your, your person, your being, it, it does come across in how you communicate and how you interact with other people. I mean, there are men and women who remain sexy well into their old age mm -hmm. just because of the way they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you want to have sex with somebody who's 
80 and you're 20, but they can still be an attractive human being. Right. And some people do. Yeah. Want that sex. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, sure. whatever, whatever you're works. into. So if we bring it back to, you know, the takeaway, how do you navigate this if your partner is getting a lot more attention than you? So, I mean, I think that would be our case. I would be the one getting more attention, partly because of my gender and probably partly because I'm more out there. Yeah. And I think that I've had to learn to be okay with that. And when I'm not okay with it, it goes back to that that point that you've brought up time and time again, which is having conversations. People, when you voice your concern to your partner, you let your partner know how you feel. And when they can understand how you're feeling, they can assuage those concerns that you have. If I just kept everything bottled up, you would have to be a mind reader to know how I'm feeling and why I'm lashing out. And I'm going to challenge you because I can't think of you coming to me and saying that, you know, you felt insecure. I I can't even think of you talking about being jealous. I disagree. I feel like I've brought that up a few times. Recently or no? Um, Not so much recently. I would say the last time might have been a handful of years ago. Hmm. Um, (laughs) I, I, I can't remember the exact moment, but I remember having the conversation saying that I felt uncomfortable and I think it was a really hard thing to have to admit to. Now, the the insecurities are just different that I have. They don't deal so much with physical appearance as they do with other feelings as you as your relationship evolves. Do you feel more secure now? Or has this security um how do I say this? Has the security increased kind of steadily over time or does it go up and down it's fluid mm. i think generally it's it's been in an upward uh, or improving direction the, but there are days where and and i'm sure everybody feels this i don't feel this good i'm sure you feel the same or maybe you do maybe you don't for me i find it's really around my menstrual cycle i find that i feel most needy and i use needy in a positive way because Again, I think that if you're seen as needing something, it's viewed as a deficit or a vulnerability, but I see it as, as neutral or positive. Like needing love is not, does not mean something's wrong with me, but I need more attention. I want more attention. I want more love and I want more physical affection right before I get my period. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I, I really notice it, but I'm able to ask for it. Yeah. And, and for me, I think my insecurities fluctuate more around probably where you're going or, or what you're doing. Not so much recently, but in years gone by, especially when you first started traveling extensively with work and speaking to these C-level executives about sex and their relationships, you're having conversations with people at events um, where you let your mind run amok. And when I think it's like Googling when you think there's something wrong with you, it's the worst thing you can do. And letting your mind wander when you have an insecurity as opposed to trying to address it in a positive manner with your partner are two very different things. I let my mind go. I freak out. I have the discussion with you. Hopefully it gets better. Yeah. And I think sometimes you can do preventative work with your partner as well, where, and I notice you do this, babe, and I'm sure I do it too, without really realizing it. You offer reassurance just in the way you talk, right? You you drop little things to let your partner know that, oh, I'm telling a story about someone that I met that is really fabulous and really impressive and lives this exciting life. And I can see that something like that may make you wonder, oh, 
do you want that life? Are you interested in that person? And then you drops, I'll drop something that lets you know that you have nothing to worry about. Do, do you find that you do that or I do that? I think so. I also think that I, I can tell you with absolute sincerity that there is no person that I would want to switch places with, that I am so appreciative of the life that I have and the things that I have had. And I also in, incorporate, I want to incorporate you into the things that I'm experiencing and the stories that I'm telling. And I think that when I do that, it also conveys, it reinforces this idea to me how important you are to me. And it reinforces to other people how important you are to me. It's interesting. They say that what you say when your partner isn't listening can be as important as what you say to them. And I know that anytime I meet a, a new friend of yours or a client or anyone you work with, they so often say, Brandon talks so much about you. Your Brandon speaks so highly about you. And it is really affirming. And it's not that I'm worried and maybe I never get worried because I'm always hearing those type of messages. I also think that our relationship, we keep, we, we are always trying to be the best versions of ourselves. It doesn't always work out that way, but we always are making the effort. So the stories that I tell often involve you because we're going on an adventure or we're going out for dinner or we're doing something exciting that I want to share with other people. So that constant desire to improve and better and to enjoy life together means that the stories do involve you. And when we talk like this, I, I don't want to communicate that things are perfect because it's, yeah. the relationship's not perfect. Two nights ago was it not a good night for us. No, I mean, we got into a doozy of an argument. Yeah, and that happens with us, I notice. We very rarely get to be alone in our house. This is five and a half days alone, and I can't remember. It's been years since we've had five and a half days alone. And I do notice, though, if we do get a couple days alone, we tend to fight. And I think that it has to do with a release of tension because we're holding back, and we need to be more mindful of that and do a little bit better and not hold it in. And we do it because we just don't have the space or the privacy to engage in some of the little conversations yeah. oftentimes. We, we'll sit in the car in the garage sometimes to talk. I was just about to say, the arguments were, let's go into the car in the garage. <laughs> we just can't turn it on. <laughs> and the soundproofing of our car have is we have a, an argument. But you're right, we do. We, we got into a fight the other day, an argument, and it was weird to have that argument at a normal voice level in our house because we often are um, suppressing that. Whispering. Yeah. yeah, and when you're doing something physiological to your body, when you're dealing with a, a distressful emotion, whether it's anger or frustration or jealousy or insecurity or whatever it is I'm feeling, when you physiologically alter your natural response, it makes it hard to really process the emotions as well. So if we were to take it back to Aisha Curry, we started talking about this because I wanted to talk about how normal it is to feel insecure. It is a universal experience to want to feel desired. And of course, everybody's desire for how they experience being wanted or receiving affirmation is different. So some of you will say, well, I don't need attention from other men. That's cool. She's saying that's what she's like. Okay. So she's different than you. And when we judge other people, we're ultimately judging ourselves. And I think that people who spend time criticizing other people's relationships are oftentimes avoiding looking in their own closet. 
But I'm sure Aisha isn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) But if she were, I just want her to know that I have her back. Brandon has her back. And I think our listeners have her back too. So yeah, I think it's an important message for all of us that no matter what you're feeling, it's okay. You're human. She's living her best life and she's owning it. I bet you, I bet you they've got, they've had some great conversations. Right. And uh, there are, Brandon, thousands and thousands of mean tweets and memes making fun of her, making fun of her being desperate for attention. And many of these are rooted in the misogyny. And I think the jealousy, I think for men, it can be very difficult that you've never got to feel desired because it feels good to be desired, whether it's for your mind, for your power, for your success, for your personality, for your body, for your sexual prowess. And we've created this culture in which women are supposed to be sexually desired, but then when we admit that we enjoy it, we're chastised for it. And that that itself is, is rooted in, in the misogyny of our culture. So let's let's tear it down. Yeah, I wish people that were tweeting those and making those comments took a step back for just a moment and thought about that. You know what? In fact, I think it's important to think about celebrities as human beings. My cousin, my favorite cousin, Anna, went to school with the son of an NBA player. And I won't bother mentioning the name, a different NBA player, big, big name as well. Um, Someone who I've, in fact, been a fan of since uh, he played in college, uh, college basketball when I was in probably high school at the time. And so Anna went to school with the son. And I guess the mom cheated on the dad. And so they're celebrities. So it was in the newspaper and I'm sure it was on every program and all over the Twitterverse and whatnot. And I I don't know how it came up. I think we actually saw the woman at a restaurant maybe last month. And Anna was saying that it was hard for the kid as a teenager, like being a teenager isn't hard enough that everybody knew their family business and felt entitled to talk about it because they're celebrities. So these are human beings where there are many human beings impacted by this. Can you imagine that? Somebody talking smack about one of your parents online and and being privy to that information? That's garbage, man. It's already hard enough to be in high school. It's already hard enough to deal with your own family's drama and politics and challenges. But to be a superstar, that's another level. They are a billion light years away in many ways and we don't get it so we need to have a little bit more empathy all around maybe the next time before you tweet or comment and make that nasty um, mention about that person take a moment to think about the impact that that might have on not just that person but everybody else that's involved in their lives yeah and i I don't think you know you listening are, are, are doing that i think that we just need to spread that message for everyone else to be just a little a little more kind a little bit more empathetic And we'll leave it at that. Aisha, we got your back. Folks, thank you for listening and thank you to Desire Resorts and Cruises for your support. You know Desire Resorts changed my life way back in 2006. Um, I think it's a really interesting experience for couples to explore. So check them out on social media at Desire Experience. Thanks for chatting with me, babe. Yeah, that was awesome. Have a great week, folks. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.